A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface. And alongside me for three in a row, we once again have... The left back with the FA Cup winner's medal still swinging around his hairy chest. It is Scott Minto. And making a welcome return is TalkSport's Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook. So here's what's coming up on the show. I know you're very much of the belief that defence wins titles, but they've got so much firepower. Uh, Crook only ever watches one game of American football in the entire calendar, right? Okay, And it is, funnily enough, the Super Bowl. Um, so he has busted out defence today because we're building up to uh, the weekend, the Super Bowl. He has to play somewhere. You know, I, I just think you play your best players down the middle. And if you can fit Phil Foden into a, a central position where he'll get on the ball more often than just waiting for the ball out wide, Whenever one of the underdogs have won a game, who do you want in the next round? Nine times out of ten, they say they want to go and play at Old Trafford. So I think if they can just spruce it up a bit, bring it up to modern standard, that will do for me. Let's not go changing too much tradition and history. Maybe you're going to call me an old fart, but that's just where I'm at. Shall we start with the midweek FA Cup action? Uh, Wow, Um, I don't think I saw that coming. Chelsea's best performance of the season so far, following probably their worst two performances of the season so far, Scott. Um, Thiago Silva's wife wanted a change, so Poch dropped her husband and Chelsea were brilliant. Is that a coincidence? That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, first of all, listening to you sounding surprised that Chelsea were scoring the goals. Um, I was surprised (laughs) watching it. Um, and look, he had to do something. And we, we, we were quite hard uh, the weekend, weren't we, that something had to be done. And, and Thiago Silva went in to see Poch. I'm actually really pleased that, that Poch had some cojones in that because it's a big call to drop, you know, the senior players, as it were, Sterling and Thiago Silva. And it was absolutely spot on. We've seen Badi Ashil uh, make some mistakes. We've seen Desazi make some mistakes. But actually, together... They were they were very very good and and kept Ollie Watkins very quiet. So uh, brilliant, brilliant from that. And I, hopefully they'll take it forward. And hopefully we won't be hearing from Bell Silver in the future. Yeah, they squeezed up to the halfway line. They can do that without Thiago Silver in the team. It's something that you and I talked about quite a lot recently. And um, look, you know, the key thing now is, and Buddy Shield picked up an injury towards the end, and that won't be great if he ends up now having. Had a good performance alongside uh, Disasi to, to not play again for a little while. And that's been sort of Chelsea's issue, really. And Pochettino mentioned that. I think you're right to sort of point out two things. that One, that um, he did show that he was the boss last night. And I thought he was deliberate. He was talking to Gabriel before the game, right? And he knows that question about Thiago Silva is going to come 
But yet he still sort of came up with that response, which was almost a little bit unpotch like the, the way he sort of came across as if, what do you mean? I'm, I'm in charge here. Do you know what I mean? He was just sort of, I think he was sending a message last night by doing that. And it certainly worked. The big test now is to go to Selhurst Park, Crook, on Monday night and live on TalkSport uh, and back it up. Absolutely, because you've mentioned in previous podcasts, not just with Chelsea, but with Manchester United as well, that quite often we've said there's been a, a turning of the corner and then they very quickly put the handbrake on and, and taken a step backwards. So I think it is important to, to back it up. But maybe Chelsea is just one of those sides this season. We've seen it in the past where they struggle for consistency in the league, but on their day, because they've obviously got talent, they're a very good cup team. So maybe it's not beyond the realms of possibility they pull off that domestic cup double, but there's a long way to go until they achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is their fifth round tie with the mighty Leeds the pick of the fifth round draw? Uh, you won't be surprised to know that Jeremy, the producer, wrote that in the uh, in the running <laughs> order. Um, he's a big Leeds fan. Uh, he's only very excited about that game. I quite like the look of Luton, Manchester City at the Kenny as well, Scott. I'm doing that game, Sam. I don't know if you're doing that as well. I'm I looking am. forward to to, to Luton, uh, Man City, and that's going to be a fascinating game, isn't it? Um, seeing City at the Kenny and, and dealing with all that. But you have to say Chelsea Leeds is the big one, isn't it? I mean, you know, even even before... I was on the breakfast show yesterday morning and Alan Brazil and Ali McCoy were saying, oh, this guy's too young to remember this. And I haven't heard a too young shout at me for a very long time, but I was the <laughs> Chelsea Leeds 1970 FA Cup final. I tell you what, I've got the videos. Teams. I've got the VHS tapes. If you want them, do you want absolutely. the VHS tapes? Yeah, no, absolutely, it is on VHS, and and I, I think you go back to there, and there's a history there, isn't there? Of course, we know the world has changed as well as people and society, but you go back. That was good football back in the day. I wonder whether each manager would just show this is actually what this competition and and this this fixture means to the fans. You should go back and look at it on YouTube if you can, because it is. It's, it's played the second game. is played at Old Trafford, right? So Chelsea win the cup at Old Trafford against um, against Leeds, and the pitch is like it's just a mud bath. It's it's absolute. It's heavier than you can imagine. Bear in mind, this is in the middle of May when they end up winning the uh, the FA Cup. It's crazy, and um, the kicks and the the tackles that go flying in are unbelievable. Ron Chopper Harris. Just watch him go through the uh, Leeds United forwards. It's un- it's unbelievable. And there's a big mistake by Gary Sprake in that as well. Nowadays, it would be assault but, um, and, yeah. and three aside, but great football back then. Uh, right, let's get into uh, the weekend now because it's a massive game at the Etihad Stadium. And of course, it's live on TalkSport. And you can never call anything in the Premier League at the moment. Phil Foden. He's been outstanding. He's yeah. in for there the he is. Played in by Haaland. He's up against the goalkeeper and he slips it in brilliantly. The gap to Liverpool will be two points. Jack Harrison brings Everton level. Nine minutes into the second half. Madison to Richarlison. Tries to shoot brilliantly into the top corner. It's a fantastic effort. Here's Jean Pedro. Finding Welbeck. Little back heel for Pedro. Magnificent goal from Brighton of Albion. There is rancor and protest in the Palace ranks. No shared vision, no structured plan. Parish out, says the banner opposite us. Fernandez with his right foot is the favourite. Oh, it is sensational. Is this the night that Chelsea finally arrive under Pochettino? 
if Manchester City win, they go top of the table and they were purring on Monday night uh, to come back against Brentford. Last season, they won their 22nd game and it was the start of 14 wins in 15 to win the title. Crook, defensively, are they good enough to put that sort of run together again? I understand why you've asked the question uh, because obviously a record of, of clean sheets, is it one in 12 now? I think yep. in, in the Premier League is is not necessarily befitting of a championship winning team. I know you're very much of the belief that defence wins titles, but they've got so much firepower. I mean, they? Even Erling Haaland, not quite Matt Sharp um, on Monday night. Kevin De Bruyne probably playing at 70%, but his 70% is better than everybody else's 120%. And then you've got Phil Foden, who, who is in electric form. I haven't even mentioned Bernardo Silva yet. So I think... They just have the ability to outscore opponents. And in that regard, I think, yeah, they're more than capable of going on a run of wins. I can't see past City now, I've got to say. Uh, Crook only ever watches one game of American football in the entire calendar, right? Okay, And it is, funnily enough, the Super Bowl. Um, So he has busted out defence today because we're building up to uh, the weekend, the Super Bowl. Who are you backing in the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm going to be cheering on the Chiefs, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised that you know that they're actually in it, to be honest. (laughs) Um, uh, Foden was incredible on Monday night. Uh, So much narrative this week about him, Bellingham, Rice starting in midfield. Look, the midfield three isn't what Gareth Southgate does. It's not as simple as just saying, these are our best players, put them in. No manager is actually going to start, not in international football, with one holder, two Foden, Bellingham just in front of them and then too wide and came through the middle. It's too open. And whenever Gareth has been encouraged to do that, I remember doing a game, I think they did it against either, I think it was Hungary or Iceland or something a couple of years ago. And everyone was saying, you've got to get Mount and Foden into the team. And they did that. And they got overrun in midfield ridiculously because, you know, that that's not what, you can't just throw your most attacking players onto the field of play and expect uh, that uh, Declan Rice is going to do the rest of the job. Um, but do you have to find a way maybe to get Foden in on the left-hand side of the attacking front three? I'll be honest with you, Sam. Um, you know, if you're that good, and I do think England are that good, and I do think it's between England and France. I don't want to, you know, I know Crookie's second home, Portugal, and he's going for them and the, the other side of the draw as a, as a possible dark horses. But I do think it's between England and and France. And I, I do think you should pick your best players. I mean, you, you look at Manchester City. Um, they had Rodri. At Brentford, then they had Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Alvarez, Foden, and Haaland. You know that's a very attacking front five where we're going to score more goals than you are. And I look, you know, it's very easy for us to to sit here and say that you know sixty million people want to be England manager. Well, Gareth Southgate has the pressure. But you look at Spain with Xavi, Iniesta, and, and Busquets. If you're that good on the ball, you know you can you can keep the ball and you can still put yourself into the right position. I genuinely believe you can do that. I don't think Gareth Southgate will do that. I understand the point you're making and you've always got to be careful on the counter-attack. But he has to play somewhere. You know, I I just think you play your best players down the middle. And if you can fit Phil Foden into a, a central position where he'll get on the ball more often than just waiting for the ball out wide, then, you know, you, you do that. Otherwise, it's him on the left because at the moment it's Saka on the right. It's not Rashford, it's not Grealish. Who else would it be? Um, the one thing I will say about that is is you just used a rather key phrase, uh, Rodri. 
And he is able to protect that Manchester City defence like nobody else. He is terrific, isn't he? And if the PFA Player of the Year was announced today, he would be the favourite to win it. In fact, he is the favourite to win it. But does Phil Foden get a shout as well, Crook? Yeah, I think I'd always lean towards uh, an attacking player. Listen, I understand it with with Rodri. I think um, it's, it's a calendar year now, isn't it, since he tasted defeat with Manchester City um, back in February only lose when he's not of, of last year. <laughs> so it's um, yeah, it's it, it, he's an incredible player, and he's he's the heartbeat of that team. So important, but I think the way that Foden has, has stepped up to the plate while De Bruyne has been absent, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that, and and the fact he's managed to come up with that treble just to make sure that Pep Guardiola can't put him back on the bench because we talked about in last week's pod towards the end of last season he was the odd man out in that treble quest I, I think I think he's on a mission to maintain that form right up until the end of the season that can only be good news for England so if we're doing a vote now I, I would probably put a tick in the Foden box a bit worried about Jack Grealish because he's been out of the picture for a little while um he might be in danger really, of being of one of the, the odd men out as far as the Euros is concerned, unless he can get back in the team. But you know what Pep's like? He puts you on the bench for a little spell and then brings you back again. And you have um, the headlines following you once again. Let's talk about Everton, though, quickly before we move on, because their spirits lifted, I think, by that last gasp draw with Spurs. They played well in the game. I really enjoyed their performance, actually. Um, but this is next level. And, and, and Sean Dyche is a boss, Scott, target specific games where am I going to get points where am I going to get points and this won't be one that he's slated for anything I wouldn't have thought I don't think there's many teams that would uh, think we're going to get points here and any point is a bonus against Manchester City and as you say you know the second half of the season this is where they really crack on and they're but they're already doing that so set pieces um, I still feel although you probably would say yes of course you'd say that they haven't got a proper left back so in terms of defensively and, and getting around Gradiol when he, when he gets forward, uh, does he get back quick enough? You know, that's a possible sort of look to try and get him down the right-hand side. But look, this is such a difficult game. I think it's one of those where if you can play well and narrowly lose, there's still a lot of positive to take for Sean Dyche. Yeah, Everton fans obviously still upset with the Premier League. I think they were upset with some decisions that went against them last Saturday as well. I thought for large parts of the game against Tottenham, they were the better team. And sometimes I think when they play the better teams, they sort of raise their spirits. But away from home, that's going to be very difficult against the Manchester City side that never, never really lose, do they? Uh, Brentford had a, a lot of success going direct on Monday. I thought the goal kick routine was brilliant, by the way. You know, I thought that was so inventive. Ivan Tony just leaning into the defender, Ake, allowing the space for Mopai to go through the middle and score. If if they are going to have any success here, Crooked, he's going to be at set pieces, isn't it? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm just not sure that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is is quite up to speed, to, you know, to do what Tony did and almost bully those Man City defenders at the time. It was alarming in that first half, the number of times that Brentford got through with that punt-up field. But you're right, it wasn't a fluke. Clearly, it's something they've worked on in, in training, and I'm sure Sean Dyche would have been watching that and and trying to replicate it, but equally... I think Pep Guardiola will be aware now that, that maybe teams see that as a vulnerability and he would have been trying to find ways to, to shut it out in the build-up to the game. OK, let's move on to Luton against Sheffield United because this is a big game at the bottom of the table. Luton have been on a great run of form, but for once, this is a game that they'll be expected to win, Scott. And with that comes a different amount of pressure and maybe a different approach. What do you think? Um, I don't necessarily think a different approach. I think they've just got to carry on doing exactly what they're doing. But you, you're absolutely right. It's one of the few games where 
they will be seen as favourites. And if they are to stay up and, you know, fair play for where they are. And, and we don't yet know what's going to happen to Forrest and Everton Everton a second time. And I'm with the Everton fans on, I think it's unfair. But listen, Luton have been superb. Um, they have to win this game. It's a must win. You, you're playing against the team that's bottom, the team that's conceding goals for fun. If you want to stay up, you have to do exactly what you've been doing. You've been playing against the big boys and you've been very close to them, if not nicking points off them, being just a goal behind. But these are the games that define whether you stay up or not. And I think they've got some fantastic players, especially Ross Barkley as well. He has been sensational. I remember you guys asking me, how do you think he'll do? I'll be honest with you, I didn't know. But I didn't think he'd be dominating games in the way he is. He is, Ross Barkley, arguably at the best point of his career. He's running the shop for Luton. He is absolutely running the shop for Luton. Um, Sheffield United pathetic away from home. Um, and at Villa in on Saturday, they were at home at Villa on Saturday. And the Opta analysts after the game said that they've got a 99% chance of relegation. Um, what is their aim for the rest of the season? Rebuild for next season, try and put some building blocks in place for a promotion campaign and hope to find the two points from somewhere that they need to beat Derby's record of 11 uh, from 2008. Rookie? Yeah, I think that's it in a nutshell. Um, I'd make it a 100% chance of relegation, let alone 99. They were really poor, uh, weren't they, against Villa at the weekend. And you look at the Villa results either side of that. Obviously, we're speaking after the, the FA Cup defeat at home to Chelsea. They lost at home to Newcastle as well. In fact, if you look at the last five or six games, there are indications that maybe the Villa bubble is starting to burst. So the fact they went there and won so convincingly, I think, is a big worry for Sheffield United. Chris Wilder initially made them harder to beat. That seems to have faded away. So, yeah, I think just getting beyond Derby is, is the aim initially. But obviously, Wilder was recruited, I think, with a view to next season, the fact that he signed a contract beyond the end of this season. But they've been a really poor addition to the Premier League, it has to be said. And I'm going to have to apologise in advance to, to Ross Barkley because I've, I've stuck him in my fantasy team this week and I'm having oh, a nightmare no. at the moment. So his, his stellar form is, is about to come crashing down. You know, the best thing I did over the course of the last couple of weeks, right, was uh, acquire Alfie Doughty and Carlton Morris. They've been points pigs. It's been brilliant. I've been straight into my draft team and they've absolutely propelled me back up the table. I'm only three points off the top now and I've got the second highest accumulation points in the league. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just looking down at the table and seeing Crookie down there. So, floundering a little bit. Um, <laughs> my team's right. dreadful. <laughs> let's move on let's move on Tottenham against uh, Brighton um, no Harry Kane obviously he's gone this season but oddly Tottenham have scored more goals at this stage of the season than they did at this stage of the campaign last year some of that Scott is down to the return of form of, of Richarlison because he's got nine goals in ten games and seemingly can't stop scoring it's got to be his mood right because he went through this period when he first joined the club he wasn't particularly settled. He got two in his first 39 Premier League games. And all of a sudden, he has just gone bang. Goal, 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 goal. Now, is that because Son's been away? I mean, even though the run started while Son was still there. Or, or is it just because he's in a greater place mentally? I mean, the finishes against Everton last week were nothing mm. short of top draw. Mm. They were from a, from a top-class striker. Um I, I, I think it's the latter. I think the fact he's in a really good place right now. And I think, again, Ange Postacoglu needs a, a lot of applaudits for what he's done. You know, what I'd say about the goals, I, I definitely think that if Harry Kane was in the side, his goals would be even higher. 
for yeah. Spurs. I mean, let's not let's not forget, um, you know, how bad it was under Antonio Conte and how difficult it was for Harry Kane to score goals then. But there's no doubt about it. Listen, he's playing exceptionally well. The only thing I would say is he's a streaky goal scorer. Um, and I don't think that he's going to, you know, say, get another nine in ten. So if, you, if you're asking towards, you know, can he win the golden boot, then no, because, you know, Haaland's getting fitter. Um, Salah's going to be coming back when he does from fitness as well, from injury. No, 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 he, he won't. But the bottom line is Tottenham are in a really good place. And the thing we've talked about Spurs is strength and depth. If they have injuries, can they deal with it if they haven't got their best 11 out? Now, Postacoglu has an issue with who he's going to pick for his best 11. And that can only be a positive. Uh, you know, when we were younger, Crook used to be a streaker. <laughs> <laughs> just it's leave true. it there. It is true. Just, just leave it hanging. He used to be a streaker on his on his first on his first stag do in Bulgaria. He almost got shot by the uh, the Praetorian Guard outside the Royal Palace because on his first night in Sofia, he just started to take his clothes off in the middle of in the middle of the city, just outside the Royal Palace. For some unknown, no one knows why. He just started doing it. Started taking his clothes off. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Now I've matured since then. My streaking <laughs> days are long gone. Have we got pictures that can go on the TalkSport website at all? Or? It was so long ago, we didn't even have camera phones. Um, right, let's get back to the football. Um, before Everyone's got to get that mental image out of their mind now. Um, how, do they, how, do they, how do they fit Son back into the team alongside Richarlison? Now he's back uh, from the Asia Cup. Well, he's not back yet. I mean, I think he's, he might be back in time to play some part on Saturday, but uh, he's definitely coming back soon. Uh, does he go to the left? Johnson goes to the right. Timo Werner goes to the, the bench and impacts up because Postacoglu hasn't really had a selection headache like this all season, Crook. No, but it's a nice dilemma because you, you've forgotten to mention Kulisevsky, who I think has been a, a terrific player, not, uh, not just this season, but since he joined Spurs. So all of a sudden you've got four positions and uh, you know a multitude of options. I'd imagine that Son will probably be on the bench um, this weekend and he would accept that. Maybe Werner's vulnerable. Um on that left-hand side, because I, I just think Richarlison on current form is, is undroppable at this moment in time. Yep. Um, I like Timo Werner. I think he's had a bit of an impact because he's added pace to the attack, and which is something they don't really have. And talking of pace, Mickey van der Ven has clocked the fastest speed in the league this season. And that's a really good thing, isn't it? In fact, there was a little uh, post from uh, Tottenham where they had James Madison and Mickey van der Ven in a pool. And Madison's taken a selfie um, of the two of them and it's got a little question uh, who's faster over 100 metres Madison Van der Ven Van der Ven giving Madison an 80 yard head start or always Mickey and it was everyone was just pressing always Mickey always Mickey uh, because he is just so fast um, it, and, and look it's the style that they've chose right um, they decide to play this way where they defend up to the halfway line and they and they allow him to make these recovery runs and, and, and mop up at the back. But is it dangerous, Scott, to rely on one player so much to do that? Yes, it is. Um, but, but what you then need and what he'll be aiming towards is having three or four centre-halves who, who have that kind of pace as well. You know, Romero, obviously, he's quick, but he's not lightning. And obviously, there's a lot of quick strikers on there. You know, if Mickey van der Ven gets another hamstring injury and he's out for the rest of the season, then Spurs are not the same side because of the style that they play. So, 
In answer to your question, yes, it is. But there is a style that And wants to play and they're going to play it whatever. When we saw it earlier in the season with, with Ben Davis and uh, uh, who, who was it? Come, someone else was playing uh, centre-half as well. Emerson and Royale. Emerson Royale, that's it. It's not the same. So it is dangerous, but that's where, again, in the summer, they need to recruit just a couple of quick centre-halves. He is almost as important as a Son, you know, as a Madison, um, if they if Spurs are to be successful. Because it's all very well playing that way and be exciting going forward. You can't be conceding one or two a game, which they concede a lot of chances, Spurs, you have to say. Uh, they do. Uh, when is a push not a push? Uh, Ange got tetchy after the Everton game about Vicario not getting protection from the referees. Will Brighton target that weakness at corners? Yeah, I think they will. Um, obviously, they scored from a corner against Palace at the weekend. Lewis Dunk, who I spoke to afterwards, and he said he should score more goals um, than he does from corners. Something he's been working on. Obviously, they've got Van Hecker as well, who can be a handful. So, I, th- I think it's a problem for Spurs um, because you could see it. Everton actively targeting Vicario. Obviously, Ange Postacoglu has tried to draw attention to it with referees, but I'm, I'm not convinced he's going to get much protection. I think the bar has been set with that goal in the Bernie Luton game that actually goalkeepers are maybe not the protective species that they once were. So, I think that is an issue. I think Brighton will definitely score. So, I think this could well come down to a, a shooting contest. I'm there for TalkSport and I'm really looking forward to it. And of course, Brighton have got Matoma available as well. Yeah, from the Asia Cup. Um, I think this is true. I, I said it on Sunday's show uh, that I thought that it was pretty clear that since that James Trafford incident, managers have started to realise, hold on a second, we're going to start targeting goalkeepers because we might get away with one, Scott. And we've seen it. I saw it in the Everton-Tottenham game. I saw it on Sunday when I was with you, the Arsenal-Liverpool game. And as a result, we're starting mm. to see more mistakes by goalkeepers because they are a little bit more flustered. Absolutely. And, and we had this conversation, didn't we, about the modern day goalkeeper, about how they've been asked to play a lot more with their feet. But are they as strong mentally um, about coming through and dealing with situations? Listen, what have they got to lose, especially a, t- a team like you know Everton, maybe even Brighton, who are a very good footballing side. But if you can stick the ball under under a goalkeeper and then leave it for the referee to make the decision... He might not make that make that decision. So if you can score a goal that way, why wouldn't you try it? Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Manchester United and Arsenal in just a second. Uh, Brighton gone from conceding four one week to scoring four the next week. They're a little bit inconsistent, but they've still had a very very good season. Uh, what's happened to Evan Ferguson? Where has he disappeared to? We haven't quite seen what we expected of him this campaign. Crook, you're close to Brighton. What's what's happened there? Well, I think it's just his age. You know, teenagers go through these phases. I think his overall performance actually against Palace without getting on the score sheet was was much better uh, than it has been of late. But obviously all strikers are judged on goals. He hasn't scored since November, which will be a source of frustration for him. But nobody's panicking, I don't think, at the Amex. They they realise that he um, he's still a very young player, but his potential hasn't gone away. And obviously... Jao Pedro, to his credit, has stepped up to the goal-scoring play. I don't think enough has been made of Jao Pedro so far this season. £30 million, it was a record transfer for Brighton. But what a signing he's been. 19 goals he scored in all competitions. OK, quite a few of them are penalties, but they still need sticking away. And just know if they get a penalty, he's not going to miss. And he's come out with some big goals as well. And I think De Zerbi has, has already made noises in press conferences that maybe Brighton fans should enjoy Jao Pedro while he's there because he will be on the radar of far bigger clubs. 
Um, there's a bit of breaking news on uh, Thursday morning, as it is, and it's come from the Premier League, and it's about VAR. And it's the Premier League admitting that VAR decisions are too slow and it's spoiling the enjoyment for supporters. Uh, basically, um, what they've said this morning is that matches now last an average of over 101 minutes, despite a clampdown on time wasting by players, leading to the league official to admit, and Tony Scholes, who's the chief uh, operating officer of the Premier League, that the in-stadium experience for the supporter is nowhere near good enough. Premier League chief uh, football officer Tony Scholes saying, the whole reputation of VAR is affected by the number of VAR checks and the lack of clear communication with fans in the stadium. The VAR experience is poor. The in-stadium experience is poor for the supporter. It's nowhere near good enough, and we know it's not. It affects supporters' enjoyment of the game, and we know it needs to change. And as a result, they are asking International Football Association Board to be allowed to make VAR decisions as open as and transparent and informative to supporters. So eventually, video and audio of reviews are broadcast to TV viewers and in-stadium to fans. A welcome development, I think, uh, that the Premier League are getting behind this call because it is important. Communication is important, right? And it was interesting listening to Scott earlier on talking about Everton. He said, you said, I'm with the Everton fans. Right? Okay, that's great. But what, we're, what, what, what are you with the Everton fans on? The fact that you don't think they should have been given nine po- uh, 10 points deduction. I think one of the reasons you feel like that and they feel like that is because they don't know why they got 10 points, right? Because no one's come out and said, the reason we've given you 10 points is this, 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 and this. Communication is so important. And one of the things, and I'm not, I don't know, when, was the, when did the VAR come in? Was it five seasons, something like that? I went to a meeting, and I remember sitting in a meeting, the first meeting that we had about it for the Premier League, and saying, what you've got to do, I'm just going to be honest with you, is you've got to make sure that your communication on the decisions is really clear. Because if you do that, people will buy into it. If you don't, people won't know what the hell's going on. It's, ter- it's always been terrible in the stadium. If you're a supporter, it is absolutely dreadful. You don't even know if there's a VAR check going on. Scott, we were at the Emirates on, uh, on Sunday. We didn't have a clue when there was a, when there was a check or not, did we? No, <clears throat> no. Uh, and f- for the record, I- I'm, I'm with the Everton fans and the fact that I don't think it should have been allowed. You, have, you can get done twice in a season. I understand why they have. Um, but the mm. fact that you could get done twice in the same season for not the same three-year period, that, that's what I think is unfair. Um, but on this, I mean, if you're asking IFAB, I mean, I heard on White and Jordan, the guy speak, the head of the IFAB, and they're, they're talking about cooling oh, yeah. off periods. I mean, really, if you're going to talk about cooling off periods, and we don't have to talk about that here, then I worry that IFAB is not going to actually do what's best for the fans. Well, they've got to look at the VAR protocol because it is so... It's so boring, isn't it? Like sitting there waiting for something to happen, especially when you don't know what's going on. You're like, well, what's happening? Now, last night, actually, I, you, when, you, when you're when sort you of doing some of the big FA Cup games, you get the VAR in your ear. You're not allowed to sort of put it up, but you can listen to what they're saying. And they don't really talk that much to each other, to be honest with you. It's not, it's not, it's not all the time. It's just after a goal or something, they just say, just check in your on-field decision. You know, it's quite sort of mundane, really. And it didn't really get involved last night at all, which was quite good. If you're out in that crowd and you've gone to get a hot dog and you look up to look at the TV screen, what's going on? It's only when you see the broadcasters telling you what's happening that fans really understand it. It shouldn't be like that. In stadium, we need to know what is going on. The, the thing is, Sam, we, we've got um, 
VAR. It's here to stay whether people like it or whether they don't. I, I personally am for it, but not in the way it's been implemented. But so if it's very unpopular, which what it is at the moment, as you say, communication is absolutely key. They can almost make it reasonably exciting by listening to what's going in. And then the fans are totally engaged. And then the extra two or three minutes don't feel like two or three minutes. So, yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. OK, uh, on to Sunday now as Villa look to avoid losing three in a row at home. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Back-to-back defeats at Villa Park for Aston Villa and Unai Emery. Manchester United hoping to make it three in a row. What's happened to the side that won 15 in a row earlier in the season, Crook? Well, I think it was always a risk once that, you know, formidable record went that maybe, you know, they would start to to lose a few games in succession. Obviously, we thought they got back to winning ways, back on track against Sheffield United, but they were really poor, I've got to say, uh, against Chelsea, as well as Chelsea played. Villa weren't at it. And I do wonder if we're seeing the lack of squad depth now coming to the fore. I thought Villa might be one of the more active clubs in this January transfer window, having got themselves in such a good position to challenge for Champions League football. They weren't, and I think they're heavily reliant now on a, a core of, what, 11, 12 players to stay fit in order to keep on winning games. They've got Esri Concert, who I think has been outstanding for them this season. So that's that's a blow as well, because they've now got to work on a new central defensive partnership. So, yeah, I mean, I've always felt that Tottenham were in a better position to get that fourth Champions League place than Aston Villa. And, I, you know, I stand by that on what we've seen. And I think it could get worse for Villa before it gets better, because Scott will have been in teams when your confidence is up and you can't stop winning and football becomes easy. Then all of a sudden you lose a game and it throws you off course and it becomes a very difficult game again. Yeah, Conza's been playing at right back as well, hasn't he, this season? And, um, and and obviously Cash came in last night to replace him and he is a bit more of a forward-thinking fullback. And from that's where the first goal came from, down that left-hand side, where Jackson got in behind because they... I don't know whether they're not used to it or, or Cash is just a little bit less pragmatic than Esri Conza. Uh, but he started every single game for... Uh, Unai Emery since he came into the club the fact that he isn't there is going to be a, an issue I think going forward for them they were relatively active though weren't they I mean 
Premier League terms this season, no one really was overactive in the transfer market, but they did sign three players, two youngsters which they loaned back out. And Marvin Rogers, who wasn't available last night because he was um, uh, not registered in time for the original tie. They got him from Middlesbrough, attacking midfield player, who will give them maybe a little bit going forward. Scott, tell me um, what you think about um, Manchester United's chances here because they've been inconsistent as well, yet they've managed to pull off some results even though they haven't been at their very, very best. They were much more controlled in the game against West Ham, but you know they were I mean, negligent to concede two goals against Newport. They conceded a lot of goals against Wolverhampton Wanderers, yet they still come away with victories. Yeah, I still feel it's a bit kind of scattergun and <clears throat> sort of relying on individuals. I mean, don't forget against West Ham, they conceded 22 chances. You know, so <clears throat> on a different day than, than an, or another team, they w- would have been more clinical. Then the scoreline wouldn't be 3-0. Would it be 3-2? I don't know. But to, to concede three against Wolves, to concede that amount of chances against West Ham, I still think... Like I'm with Crookie. I think Spurs will finish fourth, mainly because I think Villa has still got Europe and Spurs haven't. But I think in this particular game, this is a massive game for both. It really is. And I, I still believe, and we'll have to wait and see, the team that finishes fifth will get Champions League as well. And I, I think Manchester United are, are not out of the equation, which is incredible to say, considering such a bad season they've had. I, I, I genuinely... Villa have got to pick themselves up in the way that Chelsea picked themselves up after the Wolves game. Otherwise, United, we know what they're like. They've got very good individuals who can score goals at any given time. Um, it's interesting that you talk about that coefficient because I think there was a there was a day that we were on the podcast when it looked impossible that England would get that fifth place. And that same night, Brighton, West Ham and Liverpool all won their groups in the Europa League and the Conference League. And as a result of that, it meant that uh, England got within three points of Germany in the coefficient. So... There is now very much a chance that they might get that fifth place. And I think that'd be great for the Premier League and certainly great if it is Manchester United because Jim Ratcliffe, he needs the money, doesn't he? I mean, he's gone out this week with his begging bowl, asking the government for some cash uh, to build a a Wembley of the North. Uh, Does the the prospect of a new gaff get you excited, Crook? And do you think it's becoming of a billionaire to go out with a a big begging bowl and ask the government for a little bit? Please, sir, can I have some money to help me build my stadium? (laughs) No, I think uh, I think a lot of people have hit nails on heads here um, by suggesting that uh, <laughs> a club owned by the Glazer family and with Sir Jim Ratcliffe propping it up probably don't need public money uh, to help build a new stadium. So I think that's a non-starter. Am I excited about a new gaff? Not overly. Um, I'm a traditionalist. I don't want to leave Old Trafford. I think if they can find a way to to spruce it they up and bring it up to, to modern modern standards yeah but you know I I don't even want it to change too dramatically I still think it's as iconic as you you know you you head towards some Busby way and then you see the outside of the stadium I love seeing that it it gets you know it gets me excited it gets Manchester United fans excited gets rival players excited you know even in this FA Cup run whenever one of the underdogs have won a game who do you want in the next round nine times out of ten they say they want to go and play at Old Trafford so I think if they can just spruce it up a bit bring it up to modern standard that will do for me. Let, let's not go changing too much tradition and history. Maybe you're going to call me an old fart, but that's just where I'm at. Um, can I just... Uh, <laughs> one, why didn't Manchester United, sort of maybe, when it was talking about levelling up, did you, did you think they probably meant levelling up in Manchester itself? Because Manchester City got a free stadium, so they thought maybe, well, we need one too. 
Is Maybe that that's the case. Leveling up. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Uh, rousing win for Manchester United last time. Uh, Hoyland, I think, was a real positive. Him, Maynou and Garnacho appear to be forming a little bit of a bond. And we mentioned on Monday, and Scott and I, saw, actually, at the time that it happened, we were talking about it, we were on air, and we said that this... This is, this is an iconic image of these three boys sitting on that advertising hoarding and you're going to see it for a long time. And I think you build your future around those boys because they've got real potential, haven't they, Scott? Absolutely. Um, you know, as I say, it's a shame that Marcus Rashford couldn't find his way there as well because I think that would be seen as, as, as the future because you get him right and, and suddenly Manchester United are looking up. But that's what United quickly knows. That's what United have been about. You know, the Busby Babes and... The, the, the youngsters coming through in the 90s, it's always been about, yes, get the be- very best players, but you also bring through or have the very best players um, as youngsters. So, look, if you can turn it around, you know, Chelsea a million miles away, Manchester United in a much better place. As I say, they're only six points off Spurs at the moment. So if they can somehow go on a, a bit of a winning run, it's amazing how the confidence and momentum changes. Uh, let's go to uh, West Ham against Arsenal Sunday. Big game this for Arsenal to back up what they did against Liverpool. They have to go on a City-type run, I think, Crook, to win the league. Absolutely. Uh, it was a massive statement result against Liverpool. I don't think any of us saw it coming. But you, you just can't see City dropping too many, if any, points between now and the end of the season. So Arsenal are going to have to be foot perfect. And obviously, this is a ground and a game where they've had issues. You know, recently losing to West Ham at home last season, chucking away a 2-0 lead and drawing at London Stadium when you and I were giving a certain Arsenal invincible a little bit of stick because he predicted that maybe that could be a a difficult trip for Arsenal. West Ham fans always raise themselves for these London derbies. I don't think they're in particularly good form. And I think, again, there's doubts about David Moyes' long-term future at the football club, but they do tend to bring their best for games against teams like Arsenal. So this this is a massive test that the Gunners need Hold to pass. On. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. David Moyes' long-term future at the club is in doubt again. I thought he was just organising a, a brand new contract. He actually said it the other week. You know, their transfer window's out, out the way now, so we'll just cross the T's and dot the I's on that. We, we, you know, we're going to finish it off. Was this all a big ruse? He's not going to sign one. What, what, what's happening? Well, there have been suggestions, uh, you know, with some West Ham report, reporters that maybe that contract is not as clear-cut as perhaps is being made out. And there's also suggestions that David Moyes might actually decide to walk away at the end of the season. So I think until he signed on the dotted line, those questions won't go away. Would you blame him, Scott, actually, if he decided to walk away? That's a really good question. Because I think, as I've said before, you know, West Ham are in a golden period right now of what he's done. Sixth, seventh, okay, last season, not so good. The Europa League the semi-final. Seventh in the Premier the League. I know, the Europa Conference League as well. Um, first major trophy in over 40 years. I, look, I do get the, the West Ham fans, sort of the style isn't always great, but the bottom line is to get style and these positions, you know, you're needing Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp with all the greatest of respect. So And the look, players I, I, that they I'm can accumulate. Still, and the players they can accumulate, which to be fair, they have accumulated good players and they are starting to, I've been at, I've been at the London Stadium this season many times, and a Wolves game, a, a game in Europe, and, and actually it was really good football. It was front foot football because it was an attacking picked side. But the bottom line is David Moyes does what it says in the tin and they are seventh at the moment and they're still in the Europa League. It, it's, 
you know, I, I hope he stays longer, but I wonder whether they just chucked out the contract just to test the water to see what the fans are like. There's a growing number, Sam, that don't want him as, as manager next season. I, I do think it's crazy, but it's getting bigger and bigger. Well, if I was David Moyes, I would uh, I would look at it and I'd think, I've seen what I've done here. I've put the building box in place for, for, for the future and I can see I can see how it's improved. I mean, it's pretty obvious that they've used the the, the, the rice money really well. Edson Alvarez has come in. Yeah. He's, he's been absolutely terrific. He's getting the best out of Pakatar. He's, he's developed uh, Jared Bowen from uh, a winger from the championship into a proper England international. You know, I mean, they've he's helped Declan Rice get... I mean, Declan Rice was a great talent. He was always going to be brilliant, but he's helped him flourish and they've sold him for a hundred million pounds. They've won a European trophy. You've got Kudus, Walprow. Walprow's very much a David Moyes sort of signing as well. And he's come up with double digit assists already. I think if I was him, I'd go, right, okay, if you don't want me, fine. I'll take my chance on the open market and he'll pick up a massive deal somewhere else where he'll go and maybe be a little bit more appreciated. I, 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 listen, I understand what the West Ham fans want. I get it, right? But at this stage, surely you have to understand that this is a small step-by-step process to something greater and they have gone up the ladder. They have moved forward over the course of the last three years. You're not going to get to perfection over... Uh, in a short space of time it is going to take a while and they've done that they've moved forward and I think you you've got to look back and go do you know what I think this is this is this is progress we're getting there slowly but surely he might not be the man to ultimately take you forward there might need to be another one to put the icing on top of the cake but let's keep building the cake properly let's bake it properly beforehand you know what I mean I just don't I don't understand why why they're so desperate to sort of remove him all the time. It just seems, it seems a bit strange, really. And it's always after sort of like a defeat or a, 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 non, a non-performance when really that, that is going to happen over the course of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. What sort of reception is Declan Rice going to get, by the way, uh, returning to, to East London? He's, he should get a warm one, really, but he did get a bit of stick when they went to the Emirates, I remember rightly. And when they played in the League Cup, Earlier this season, I think he was booed, wasn't he, by West Ham fans, which which I find ridiculous, to be honest. He's, you know, he cost them nothing. They sold him for a club record fee. He won them a European trophy as his last act in a West Ham shirt. And even when it was clear that he was going to leave at the end of the season, he gave nothing but his all. I find it bizarre, to be honest, and, and disrespectful if Declan Rice does get stick Come again. Come on, West Ham fans. Chill out. Chill out. Come on. Let's have a little bit of a... You know, I think maybe we should have a collective sort of couch session with West Ham fans. You know, come on, chill. It's okay. You're having fun. Let's go back to Prague. We had such a great night in Prague. We enjoyed it. It was brilliant. You know, let's let's, let's take that for a while um, because it was. Uh, me and Scott had a brilliant night in Prague. By the way, it was. Uh, we did celebrate we that did. with the West Ham fans quite <laughs> with gusto. We had a beautiful lunch the next day. Do you remember that in the square? That we was did. great, wasn't it? it now. Oh, Very romantic. Yes. It was, it was. <laughs> right, OK. Um, that's it. Let's move on uh, because uh, Manchester City-Everton Premier League uh, game is 12.30 on Saturday. That's going to be our big one this uh, weekend. We've also got Chelsea Crystal Palace on Monday night away at Selhurst Park, uh, which will be fascinating to see if Chelsea can back up their good performance in midweek. Uh, all the goals they go in with Adrian from 2.30 this afternoon, uh, or Saturday afternoon. And Tottenham Brighton is on TalkSport 2. Another great game in the Premier League on TalkSport 2 this week. We had uh, Palace Brighton last week and Tottenham Brighton this week. I mean, uh, I don't know who's picking the TalkSport 2 games, but they're doing a very good job because that is a... Tony Bloom, is, by the sound of things. That is, <laughs> that is a brilliant... 
a brilliant game to have on TalkSport 2 on Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Looking forward to listening to that on my way back from Manchester City. Crookie, thank you very much uh, for staying fully clothed uh, throughout the course of the podcast. Appreciate that. <laughs> Goodness for that. <laughs> and Scott, <laughs> always right, good to see you. Although, you know, we don't mind if you streak. Uh, right, OK, we'll see you on Monday morning when you wake up to review all the Premier League action. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.